You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. Thank you so much for joining in on the fun. You having fun out there? Let's have some fun. If you want to call in, 608-501-0718 is the number to call. Uh, new callers go directly to the front of the line, so if you're into that kind of thing, skipping people in line, you ever get those passes? We don't have any new callers, so we're just going to kick it off from the top. Our boy Nate has got more to say, if you can believe it. Hey, Pack Daddy, it's Nate. Hey. Um, I'm hoping last call. Sorry, and uh, I don't even know if this is going to get played in the same day with how many calls you got probably coming in, but um, I just wanted to throw something out. Um, I know it's not a secret that I am not a fan of Aaron Rodgers. Um, we differ politically. I don't think he's been good this year, um, and he just kind of frustrates me lately, but... Uh, I do want to say I, I definitely appreciate everything that he's done for the organization. Um, I, he obviously is the best to ever to ever throw the ball, and you'll never change my mind on that fact. Um, you know, people will say Tom Brady's the goat. Got here with that. That's there's missed it. No, I'm not even going to get into all the reasons I think that. But Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback to ever pick up a football and play in the NFL, and uh, it's. You know, it's, it's hard to see him go. The reason that I wanted to trade him when, when why I haven't wanted him back so many times is because I didn't want to watch this happen. I didn't want to watch his play decline. Yeah. It was the same thing with Brett Favre, you know. Uh, Favre was great, legend. And then towards the end, you, you watched him drop off a hill. And it's like, well, and, that, and I've made that point too, where it's like, you know, again, when I in in the 90s, when I was a kid growing up in Illinois, there was no doubt anywhere Favre was one of the greatest of all time, ever. And you watch Aaron Rodgers now and you think he will always be remembered as one of the greatest of all time. That's what we thought about Favre. What do people think about Favre right now? And again, this is before whatever scandals are going on. Favre was a goofball. When he left and went to the Jets, first of all, he stayed in Green Bay a little bit too long and things deteriorated. And he became a guy that just threw nothing but picks and just lobbed the ball up in the air and all that stuff. Then he went to the Jets, and there was a scandal, Slash was kind of trash. Then he went to Minnesota, and it became like a big scandal thing. Not scandal is the wrong word, but it's like he just went there to get back at the Packers, and then we all got super mad at him. Even the Packer fans who weren't mad to begin with, which I was, all the Jet Favre people started to get mad at him because he went to Minnesota. Some of them, some clung till the bitter end, um, saying good for him, screw the team, all that stuff. But... At this point now, nobody looks at him as one of the greatest of all time. He doesn't even come up in the conversation when you talk about one of the greatest of all time. That's because of how it ended. If he had left two years earlier and sailed off into the sunset and there were no other issues, he would absolutely no question be regarded as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And again, now nobody wants to even talk about the guy. And part of it is just because of his play. He was just, he's just a goofball that just threw interceptions. You don't want to see that happen to Rodgers. You don't want another guy. You know, the only time people call our quarterbacks Hall of Fame quarterbacks 
is when Bears fans are trying to talk about how we should have more Super Bowls. Otherwise, nobody talks about Favre. And you know what? Nobody's going to want to talk about Rodgers if he comes back another year, lays another egg, and then goes on TV and starts talking about ayahuasca and COVID. It's going to be the exact same thing as Favre. Nobody will remember his greatness. Nobody will talk about his greatness. Everybody's going to hate the guy. You want that for Rod? I don't want that for him either. There's something to be said about going out on top, and I think he missed his window. Personal opinion. You know, watching your, your hero go down and, uh, and, and suddenly not be Superman anymore, and that's, that's not how I wanted to remember Aaron. Uh, you know, I, wanted, I, w- I was hoping he was going to retire a little early after his MVP season and then Jordan Love come in, but that's not what happens. Um, I'm hoping that he does retire. Everything's kind of pointing that way. Just watched his interview. Uh, I liked his response about what he's going to miss. You know, I uh, I like uh, I like seeing him walk out at the end of the tunnel there, um, and just a lot of the things that he's been saying just kind of sound like he might be done. I know he's going to think about it in the off season. Maybe he changes his mind, but right now I I think he's gone, and I'm happy that he is not going to be uh, back playing because I'm not an Aaron Rodgers fan anymore. He used to walk on water to me, but I'm ready for Jordan Love time. But uh, thank you, Aaron. Thank you for everything. Go Pat, go. You know, it is funny, too, because it always, it seemed different than the Favre thing to me. It was like, you know, that was different because, you know, Rodgers is just letting us know that that's kind of up there as one of these days I'm going to do it, which is kind of known. But he's he's never said I retired and then said I'm going to come back. and then da, da, da. But really, there are becoming a lot of similarities. And one of those similarities, again, although he's not flat out saying I'm going to retire, there is this like emotional goodbye that happens every year. And I'm not blaming Rodgers for that because he's realizing that this could very well be his last time, right? Same thing as last year and probably the year before and probably this coming year if he decides to come back again. But there is sort of this emotional goodbye and we talk about how emotional he is and how sad he is and how he's kind of saying goodbye and then we have to say our goodbyes to him and then it's like, oh no, I'm coming back. So it's 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 slightly different, but it's very similar. It has a very similar feel. And then, you know what else we used to do with Brett Favre all the time back in the day? Wonder if he's going to show up to training camp. And then that became a big thing. Is he he says, I'm not showing up. I don't want to do it. I'm too old. I don't feel like dealing with it. I don't need it. Favre said the exact same thing. Now Rodgers is doing it. So there are just a ton of parallels. And it's like, you know, again, you look back at the Favre thing, and it's like, I wish he would have just closed the freaking door. Just close the door. It's done. And he didn't want to let go, and a lot of the fans don't want to let go. But you get to a point like this where it's like, dude, look, the play is bad. It's getting exhausting. You, you I, I understand there's like this, this feeling of I don't want to let it go. It's something I love so much, and once I close the door, I can't open it again. And I get that, but it's like this is kind of dragging on, man. And, and you're dragging all of us with you. And just like back then, too, again, I told you, I was – a Pretty big fan of Rodgers after some of the stuff I saw. And I started to get worried we were going to lose Rodgers. I said that. I didn't have a podcast, so I can't verify that. But I had said that numerous times. I'm worried we're going to lose Rodgers if we don't do this whole thing. That's why I was glad when Brett Favre said, you know what, never mind, I think I want to come back. And the Packers said, no, we're moving on to Rodgers. A lot of people were furious about that. How dare you not let this all first ballot Hall of Famer multiple-time MVP Super Bowl champion back in when he decides he wants to come back in. It was the right decision because we needed to close that chapter. It was done with. And also, we need to not lose 
Rodgers, who looked like garbage for two years, and then all of a sudden you see him in the preseason and stuff, it's like, dang, this guy can actually play. Kind of similar to what we're saying with Jordan Love. The guy was trash, and then all of a sudden, like, ooh, that looks kind of impressive. Not saying it's the same thing, but I'm saying there's (laughs) a million parallels, and what I thought was the right decision then, I'm going to apply here and say is the right decision also. Now, it's entirely possible we could rewind all of this, and it turns out Aaron Rodgers was a freaking bum, and Brett Favre went out to the Jets and won a Super Bowl with him, and then we're sitting here saying the Packers are the dumbest organization of all time. But that didn't happen, and I don't think that's going to happen this time either. I don't think if we close the door, which we won't, but I don't think if we happen to close the door and Rodgers sails off somewhere else, you really think he's going to go win a Super Bowl somewhere? I don't think so. Packernet fam. What's Hope up? everybody is enjoying their nice bath in the loft, just as I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one nice sunk pretty bad. But I guess my thought process is that wasn't as bad as the Tampa one. Yeah. Um, it wasn't as bad as last year's. It definitely wasn't as bad as Seattle. The only reason I would disagree with you is because, first of all, it's not even the playoffs, and it's a team that's not in the playoffs, right? It was pretty similar to last year in terms of the defense did a great job, the offense was terrible. And in that game, I think the offense was even worse. But it was San Francisco's defense, which is kind of the point. To only put up 10 against an elite defense as compared to putting up what do we put up 16 or whatever against a bottom 10 defense come on now <laughs> I mean I, I I get it plus we weren't in the playoffs so it's maybe not quite as much of a heartache and we also didn't think we were all that great um, which makes it a little bit better but in terms of just how disappointing the team's performance was I would put this offense considering the defense up against any loss in terms of just overall disappointment. Just embarrassing. Um, The good news is, you know, the expectations are officially going to be lowered from everybody next year. The media is not going to freak out if we don't get the first overall seed and win the Super Bowl and call us frauds. The only hard part about it, is that we're going to be lumped into this category. Like, we're, 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 we're not used to it, and they do it to everybody else, but they, they constantly talk down to everybody, just like we do. You know, we talk about the Lions, you talk about the Browns, you talk about the Jets, you talk about... Every time you do, there's always a condescending tone. The Packers are now going to be in that family. There's going to be a condescending tone when talking about the Packers, and probably even more so because there's going to be a little bit of a glee factor because they've just started to hate the Packers over the last three or four years, and I don't really know why. They just hate the Packers. And so they're going to take a lot of pleasure in being condescending going forward. That's my expectation. I don't know that, but that that I fully anticipate that's going to happen. Because the fact of the matter is only one team can win the Super Bowl, but it's just funny because it seems like the Packers are supposed to win it every year, according to the media. And then when they don't, it's like, oh, well, they're frauds. Yeah. So hope everybody's hanging in there and if you can make it through this offseason the good news is the expectations are going to be lowered next year and the team's still going to be good we got players and hang in there everybody hang in there take care yeah i agree i um i just wish and i know we're not going to but i just want to get a resolution on the rogers thing so that we could just 
not have to speculate and can just move forward because it's hard to even project what we should do moving forward without knowing that piece because it's such a massive piece. Doing mock drafts is almost kind of silly, you know what I mean? Um, Maybe not entirely. Getting a wide receiver isn't going to be the worst thing either way. But, you know, there's there's a lot of variables that um, kind of need to know moving forward. But, again, we're not going to know that, so we'll just keep plugging along here. Hey, Ryan, this is uh, Nico. Hey. So I had a, had a little time to digest what I was fed last night, and uh, a lot of good comments, a lot of good things said on the after dark last night, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, what, what, what area did they not go wrong in? I mean, they couldn't catch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if, you're, if you're paid to be a receiver, you can't catch the ball, maybe, maybe you should be a cornerback, you know. Um, some, you know, a lot of starter receivers, they might have four or five drops a year. You, you ain't, you can't have two a game. You just can't. Now, that's not just Dobbs, because I know Dylan dropped that one. The, the one I think that was the easy one. The one was kind of low. That's a stretch. Could have just dove down and caught it. And, but, uh, I mean, just uncontested balls right in your hands and you can't hang on to them. That's yep. Just, oh, that's a problem. Uh, I don't know if, the Lions have a great run defense. They sure did last night. Man, they were clogging up holes. They looked like a bunch of Ray Lewis was flying around out there, just knocking people back, shutting down lanes. I mean, I was, so is that they were trying harder than us? Yeah, because I think we we can block. Man, we didn't block last night. You, you're right. Yeah, dude, just come stand there. Oh, you want to you want to go this way? All right. Well, I guess. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not blocking either. It was what I I, I was kind of watching it, like couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know. Um, uh, they just definitely have more. I know people were saying how if they were eliminated from playoff contention that they would dial it down. There's no way, no freaking way. The Packers have had their foot on their necks for over 30 years, and they've they've had a couple good seasons here and there, you know, in the Stafford times. But on the whole, they've been the doormat of the NFC North. I mean, yeah, yeah. going to the playoffs is cool, but knocking out the Packers from the playoffs to me, that's a better thing. So the end of the year with a winning record and knocked the Green Bay Packers out of the playoffs, oh, that's enough for them to cheer about. <clears throat> but, uh, <clears throat> and then what's, what's up with the floor? Asking Rodgers if he wanted to go for it. When you're playing in a hard-nosed, you know, old AFC game where it's like one or two field goals can win or lose you the game, you you play field position. That is like coaching 101. You're on your 30, you don't go for it on fourth and six. <laughs> Unless you've been having your way with them, which we clearly haven't. Um, so you, you have to play field position. You give up field position, you give up the game. And, uh, I gotta call, I, I'm gonna have to call you back. Um, cause that's not even the main thing I want to talk about here. Hang on, give, give me two seconds. <laughs> All right. Let's get to, uh, Nico's second call. So, yeah, field position. When you're playing a field position game and you go for it on your 30, that's just, I mean, that's just a stupid move. And I don't, you know, I've, I've liked Coach LaFleur. I, I, I think he's done really good with a lot of stuff he's had to deal with. I don't think he has control of the team. And the perfect example is freaking Quay Walker. I know Jersey Mike. He thought that dude pushed him. And I didn't know for sure last night, but I've seen the replay a hundred times now. That trainer just kind of went in there. Clearly, he was just putting his hand on Walker's hand. No one Walker ain't looking around. Just don't know, hey, man, I'm kind of moving in here. Barely even moved him. And who knows, if we had audio, maybe he even said, excuse me, sir. 
and he pushes him he pushes him in the back like are you kidding me yeah. are you kidding me i mean that's that's a thug move well, you're not in a gang you know this ain't east l.a in the hood dog you are on national television you play for the green bay packers and you acting like some hoodlum and then Wyatt, he walked over there and thumped him. I know they're boys. I know he's gotta. I gotta have my boys. Now, you, you, <laughs> you, you don't, you don't do that. This is one, one of the reasons why I stopped watching the end, uh, the NBA, is everybody just was a thug douchebag. You had guys punching fans and people, you know, pushing refs. Like, dude, that's like sacrilegious. You have no respect for the game. You start pushing trainers, and then they, that's not Walker's first time. You all know he did it in Buffalo. Same deal. I don't know if the dude was trying to help him up or what. He stood up, and pushed him like. Did you, what, what are you doing? And one thing that bothers me is, and, and I give coach, <clears throat> you know, at first he's like, what? So I don't, I don't know why he didn't point at him and give him the finger like, get your over here. Excuse my language. I wish coach would have just kicked him off. I don't give a dang. End of the year, important game. You do something that disrespectful, you go sit in the, you go, you go sit your in the, in the locker room. You cannot play for me like that. And why it? You gonna thug something some dude like that? What what's wrong with you? You know? You're not in the hood. You're on like I said, you're on national TV. You can't be a respectful person. Dude, I've been watching football my entire life. Since like a long time. I've never seen I've seen dudes spit in other dudes' faces. I've seen guys fight. I've seen guys twist people's ankles, you know, when they're on the bottom of the pile trying to break mm-hmm. their ankle. Lonnie Holiday. Um, I've never seen someone go after someone who is a trainer or all of a sudden that is just so bad. And I wish the floor would have had the nuts to kick both of them fools off the field. And just let everybody else know, you're going to be a gangster thug hoodie, you go play for the Raiders. You know, you go somewhere else. And I, I don't let the team, I don't think Matt has control of the team. So, uh, is he gone too? I don't know. But, uh, some changes got to be made because, uh, it's not looking good for the future. But hey, go Petco. Nico, you're going to get my show canceled, man. You can't be saying thug hoodie <laughs> I don't even know what that means I mean Nico can but if I don't rebuke you I get in trouble and I'm not going to do that so anyways you can do whatever you want you're a grown up yeah I mean it's 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 one of those things where I'm, I'm going to tell you once I'm going to tell you once and you're not going to do it again and that's primarily for Wyatt Quay Walker it's becoming an issue because he's already hit a guy out of bounds and then he pushed a coach out of bounds and now he's shoved a person in the medical staff and this is one game after he just body slammed a guy and got penalized for that. Um, you know, individually, two of those four you can deal with. Individually, two of those four you absolutely cannot, and you tell him if you ever do that again, there's a problem. He's done all four of those collectively in one season. I don't know what you and I don't know what you do about that because it's 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 a common sense thing, you know. It's like. There's just certain lines that there's something in your brain that says, I'm not going to cross this line, right? You, you might get furious watching the Packers play. And there are certain things that you're willing to do when you're angry. You might yell. You might slam your fist on your leg or smack the table. You might even break something. I don't know. I don't know where your line is, but there are some hard lines that we all draw as people. You're not going to get up and punch your kid in the head. You're not going to kick your dog in the ribs. You're not going to throw a chair through your window. Right? There's certain things that it's like, well, obviously you wouldn't do that. No matter how angry you get, there's something in your brain that says, I would never do that. It doesn't even come up. It's not even in the conversation. And Quay doesn't seem to have that thing in his brain that says, 
You don't shove a coach. You don't push a, a, a trainer in the back as he's going out trying to help somebody who's hurt on the field. He doesn't have that, and that's a problem. And I don't know what you do about that. But you have that one conversation with Wyatt, and you say, don't you ever do that again. And then for Quay, I don't know. Maybe he needs to talk to somebody. He's, a, he's even made comments about, you know, he's got to kind of look at some stuff in his life, and I think that that's fair. Because it's, it's an issue, and it's not easily solvable. Something that should never happen. It happened once. We heard about how he was crying in the locker room because he was so upset because he hurt his team and all that stuff, and then he comes back and does it again in the same season? Something's broken in your brain, dude, because that doesn't make sense. Ryan, I want to throw out an idea. Um, maybe this will kind of uh, ripple effect in through the media. Um, when it comes to an injured player on the field, um, I know the guys want to stand around and make sure that their teammates are okay or the opposition guy is okay. But I think going forward, I think it's a lot better for these guys to have at least a 10-yard, um, like, invisible boundary that they've got to step back out of and let these medical professionals take care of these guys and uh, be able to get to them quickly without other guys standing around them and pushing them out of the way. So let's have the league institute a rule where once a player goes down, you have to move back and or go back to your huddle. If anything else, go back to your huddle and get out of the way. That way it leaves room for the medical staff to get to them. And then that also eliminates all of these players standing around, uh, emotions getting the best of them, and being in the way. And maybe this whole Quay Walker thing wouldn't have happened. So that's just my idea and just uh, a thought that maybe they could try. Then secondly, I think it should be a penalty. Well, let's stop there for a second. Um I think it's a good idea generally to make space for the medical personnel to get out onto the field and get to the players. Um, I don't want to create a rule just to protect Quay Walker from himself, though. You know what I mean? I I don't want to create that rule just because, well, maybe somebody's going to get heated and push a member of the medical staff and then they're going to get ejected. You know what? If, if, If that's your thing, then you're going to do it and you're going to get ejected. But here's the thing. Don't do that. You know, I don't want to layer rules to try to protect people who are going to do wrong things from doing wrong things. So up to the point where we agree, um, let's try to make some space so that they can get through, that works, right? Don't stand in their way. Get out of the way. Everybody back up. You know, referees come out and they say, hey, this is the thing. I'm going to tell you once, get back. Otherwise, you get flagged or whatever. And even that is debatable, but there should be some kind of a space for them to get through. Uh, you, 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 the, the problem that I'm sure is going to happen as far as optics is you're going to have a serious injury. You're going to have a player knelt down, helmet off, tears streaming down his face, and a ref's going to throw a flag and, and threaten to penalize the team of the guy who got hurt because of player. You know what I mean? Like, there's some problems with that as far as like optics and everything else. So, probably common sense makes the most sense. Make some space. The refs can help with that, clear some space so they can get through. Otherwise, they're just going to say, you know, move, you know, they just push guys out of the way, and uh, that should be fine. It's been fine for all these years. So, I don't know. I, I, I would stay away from rule, maybe, 
and just make it general policy that uh, the referees help to clear way for the medical staff. Players need to move and clear the way for the medical staff. Um, and then if somebody's stupid enough to push one of them, they're going to get ejected, clearly, because that's not going to be tolerated. Rules in general always make me nervous. Same with laws. Because the question is, what happens when these things get drawn out to their fullest conclusion? You know, somebody does something minor. It's against the law. What are you going to do? You're going to pursue it. What happens if that person doesn't relent then? What if they don't relent then? What You know, it can always be taken to the next point of somebody being thrown on their face, thrown in handcuffs, and taken away to prison. I saw that there was these old ladies who got arrested for uh, loitering because they were feeding um, animals, and they were asked not to do that. And they weren't leaving, and so the police hauled them away. And, and, you know, I would love it if we just had some decency and common sense to realize that's a bad idea. But in, in place of decency and common sense, we're trying to make rules for every little thing, and it creates problems. So I don't like rules necessarily. Not a big fan of laws. I mean, if we, if we can avoid them. Um, but we try to make rules and laws for every little thing to try to protect against every little thing, and it just creates more problems. So... Again, my general thought, get out of their way just as a, as a general policy. And, you know, the re- again, the refs can help. Medical staff, if, you, if there's not room, push, pull, get to that person as much as you can. And if anybody has a problem with it, they can go ahead and be dealt with. It's kind of my thought, I guess. The 14 to hike a ball and get a practice kick in after the whistle has been blown and a timeout has been called. Okay. That way it eliminates all of the stuff that happened with Douglas, which I don't blame him for trying to stop him from hiking the ball. But what happened afterwards was stupid. Again, undisciplined uh, reactions got the best of them. But I think this wouldn't have happened if teams were just knew that if you hike the ball after the ball has been or after the ball has been blown dead by a, a whistle, you're going to get penalized five yards if you hike it. Just a simple rule like that might prevent stuff like this stupid, stupid penalties that we've got for two what basically was momentum-changing uh, plays. I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm just speaking out of frustration because I just want to see things change that make sense um, and just see what happens. You know, and I'll take the same line with that too. I don't think teams should be penalized for snapping the ball because there's nothing wrong with snapping the ball. Again, we're, we're trying to create a rule to prevent somebody, you know, to protect somebody from themselves. Razul just pushed somebody in the face. I mean, he could have done that for anything, you know, and then we create new rules to, for this and for that and for everything else. No, just Razul, don't push a guy in the face after the play is over and you won't get penalized, right? He was an idiot. He got penalized, and that's the point. I don't need to protect him from that. Let's try to protect people from putting them in situations where maybe if they don't have any control over themselves, they're going to get penalized. Well, if they don't have control over themselves, they're going to get penalized. I don't want to shift the blame to the other team for trying to snap the ball, which is common practice, for Razul shoving a guy because he's an idiot. It's a completely separate issue. Um, you know, it's it's like... Imagine if you had a bike rack outside of your store and somebody came in and stole one of the bikes, you know, clipped the lock, stole the bike, and the solution was to get rid of the bike rack. No, we're, we're not going to run away from the problems. The bike rack stays and that person's going to get thrown in jail. Well, how do we prevent it from happening again? You don't. 
you hope that this is somewhat of a deterrent, but if it's not, then it happens again, then somebody else goes to jail. But I'm not removing the bike rack. We're not just going to keep running away from the problems. You know, what happens next? Somebody throws a brick through my window and we got to have no windows in the store or what? So, no, I don't want to penalize guys for snapping the ball. Okay, final idea. All right. I dream, but I still think it would be cool. I wish teams could choose maybe designate one or two players um, every season uh, in the off season <laughs> to go play in the USFL and get better so that we could send uh, Jordan Love to play in the USFL and just get some reps in. I mean, I really feel bad for the guy. The guy has had to sit for a long time. I don't know if I could do that. I, I mean, it's one of those things where you're having to sit and wait and patiently learn to play a game. I mean, th- that takes a lot to um, sit behind somebody and watch them, you know, make mistake after mistake after mistake and not get your chance. So, man, it's just too bad you can't, you know, kind of get your frustrations out of your system and, and go play in the USFL and kick it out on, uh, you know, grade school level uh, play. So, just thinking outside the box, Ryan. I'm out. I think that could be interesting in terms of um, if there was a partnership there where you could kind of use it as a training tool for some of your guys. Um, I think you could do a lot of different things with that. I mean, you you could have players volunteer, first of all, that maybe aren't in great standing and they want to show themselves. And if they can really show out there, then you come back and you can renegotiate with your team and say, hey, I you know, whatever – or to try to help yourself to prevent from getting cut. Um, you could also have situations like you said, where you could have a guy like Jordan Love and say he's been doing nothing but sit. And um, obviously it would benefit the USFL to have professional football players in there. It's going to elevate not only their level of play, because I don't care what you think, Jordan Love is going to go there and instantly be probably the best quarterback in the entire USFL, depending on what other quarterbacks go there from the NFL. But... Um, so they're going to benefit from having a higher quality of play, from having more people on their rosters, um, but also they're going to have more eyes on the USFL. People are going to want to see Jordan Love. It's going to be major news, and that's just one guy from one team. There's other Packers that could go there. There's other players from other teams that are backups or that are whatever, that need more experience, need more exposure. Say a, a, a rookie like Jamison Williams, for example, probably won't because he's too high profile, doesn't want to get hurt, but... Say Jamison Williams had the entire year off and the, and the Detroit talked to him and said, you know, this would be a good place to get some reps. And what they could do is they could send a playbook or something down there. Be nice if there was 32 USFL teams. So there was a, an official like farm team. So you could send your playbook and say, this is what I want them working on. Probably wouldn't work necessarily that well if it's a bunch of players from a bunch of different teams. You can't have six different playbooks. But I think the USFL would, would benefit from that. And you could see how the NFL would benefit from that. I'm guessing it would be a, a complete logistical nightmare. Um, very short time windows. USFL would need to know immediately, like, who, like, we've got full rosters. Who are you sending over here? And all of a sudden, it's like a guy that's been training all year to be the quarterback of the Kansas City Wildcats or whatever nonsense teams they have. And then here comes Jordan Love, and he's going to take over as the, as the starter. And it's like, what the heck is this? You know, sorry, dude. So, I mean, I think it would be cool as a fan. 
I'd love to be able to watch him. But as soon as he ends up tweaking his ankle and getting hurt and needing surgery, I'm going to lose my mind and say this USFL NFL thing is the dumbest thing in the history of the universe. Why would you risk your career for that? It's just one. It's just like preseason, which is really what this is. It, it would it would be a midseason preseason for for backups and you know. I, I mean, I, I, again, it would be kind of cool to be able to do that if they could have a bunch of guys. Because I'd love to have a guy like. Just from the Packers, who would you want? You want Jordan Love? Let's just say that it was like a team that could take as many guys as you wanted from Green Bay or whatever. Samore Ture should go. I wouldn't mind Watson or Dobbs going to get a little bit of extra playing time, but they don't necessarily need to, especially Dobbs, just because I feel like he's got a lot of talent that needs some refining. Uh, Caleb Jones, Sean Ryan, 100,000. You know how much I would, if Sean Ryan was a starting guard, you know how much I would watch? I would love that team. Be like, heck yeah, dude, let's get this guy up and running. Rashid Walker, again, Jordan Love, maybe a little bit of Tyler Davis, see if he can kind of get something figured out. Patrick Taylor, Jonathan Ford, maybe like Barnes, McDuffie, Eric Wilson, Corey Ballantine, Ennis Gaines, Dallin Levitt, Tariq Carpenter, maybe Shamar Jean Charles, and then pretty much all of our uh, practice squad guys. Tyler Goodson, we got a bunch of futures contracts, we got to cover that pretty soon, but hey, just get all these guys in there. And you know, some of these these guys who are basically nobodies in the NFL are going to be superstars, and then there's going to be all this hype and excitement about these guys and everything. I just think it would be a major overhaul to how we would make that work. And it would, it would, it would, it would have to be a farm league for the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, you couldn't have a fully functioning league, and then we're going to flood it with several hundred more guys. Or like, I know you said, like, pick, pick one or two or whatever, but still. I don't know how it would work, but I'd watch it. How about that for an answer? Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a little break right here. We'll come back and we'll do some more stuff. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, Brian, it's Craig. Hey, Craig. On Sunday, a friend of mine invited me to uh, one of the luxury suites at the... Uh, um, uh, Indianapolis Colts game. So since it was a one o'clock game, I thought I'd take my grandson and have that experience with him. So it was the Colts and the Texans, and um, Texans had the number one pick at the time. Colts, I don't know, somewhere about five or six. Um, but and I thought this would be a weird game going into, but they seemed to really kind of play their hearts out, and uh, both scored over thirty points. It was a one point game. Houston ended up winning and losing the first pick, but they didn't seem to care. They were pretty excited about winning the game. And um, it just felt, after watching the Packer game, 
later that evening that the Colts and the Texans had more heart and passion and drive. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, playing really for nothing. Um, in fact, almost wanting to lose, but still putting it all out there. So I know you've talked a lot about culture. Uh, I think it's a big issue. I think it's, uh, I, I just don't see that consistent drive, um, and, and, uh, uh, let alone the drive for the last game of the season to get you in the playoffs. It's just crazy to me. So hopefully they find some solution to that in the off season. But um, it's interesting watching uh, two terrible teams play, and I know they were playing terrible defenses, but I think both of their defenses, the Colts and the Texans, might have been better than the Lions. And uh, they were scoring all over them. All right. I'll talk talk to you soon. Bye. Yeah, I wish I had answers. I really don't. Um, again, either either it fixes itself or it's going to be the same thing next year because we're not going to fire Matt Lafleur and we're not going to fire any of the coaches. We're not going to fire anybody. Um, so I don't know what the answer is to culture. Um. I think the Packers are a team when when things are going good, obviously like every team the culture is going to be great. The real test is how can you be the Lions and be a bad team that nobody likes or respects and and lose what five six games in a row and still have that fire and that drive to come back and and just dominate. And you could say well the Packers did that. No, they really didn't. Um I don't know what it was that caused that spark on defense for a couple games after the bye week. Maybe it was the bye week and just kind of re- regrouping and everything, but they didn't come back week 10 with this this sort of energy. The energy always seemed kind of flat. They were just, it seemed the plays were, the plays and the playing was more cohesive and it was working better. The defense was still terrible all the way up until the bye. It's just the offense was starting to score points, which was nice uh, until until that stopped, which is a bigger issue of, everything's great when we're winning until they decide that even that's not good enough and we still don't, we feel like frauds and we don't want to do anything. And it's just, I don't I don't know what you do about that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I keep hearing about how it's all a thing that takes place in the locker room, but I'm also 100,000% positive that what happens in the locker room is driven. The culture is driven by the coaching staff. And um, if you don't have the right coaching staff, then I don't really anticipate the locker room just kind of taking over. Maybe it can, but apparently we don't have those guys. Um, and we're not going to go get those guys. If It would be sort of long-term veterans that would say, this is how we do things here. They're not doing things. And I don't anticipate them doing it, even if they do come back, which they may not. Talking about Rodgers and Bakhtiari and Kenny and those guys. Um so I don't know. The culture in Green Bay has always seemed to kind of be a more intellectual, you know, we're smarter than you and um you know, we're just going to we're just going to be better at football than you. And it's just sort of a very business like do your job, live up to expectations. There's a standard here of excellence and you need to be excellent and um it just doesn't seem to have that level of heart and passion. You know, um, but I don't know. I don't know what you do about that. It just is what it is. The Packers are what they are, and if it changes, I don't know what it's gonna what it's gonna be that would cause that. But 
they don't have it, and I don't see any reason why they would get it. So we just need to hope that we can continue to stack more and more talent. I think we're asking way too much of Brian Gutekunst because we basically need a perfect roster, and even then, that perfect roster isn't going to show up when when it matters most. But um, keep trying, keep getting more and more talent, and keep getting those guys more and more talented and hope that they just have enough, you know? Hope that a 50% effort is... St- we're, we're so good that our 50% is better than a playoff team's 100%. If we can get to that point, we can win a Super Bowl. How's that sound for a strategy? Sounds great, right? Hey, Tag Daddy. It's uh, Jersey Mike. Hey. Uh, so just some draft-related talk. Um, There's two tight end prospects that I am really, really high on. Okay. Um, And I've been thinking about, like, what the Packers would do to acquire these prospects. Okay. So I know we've got the 15th pick. Um, I'm thinking... I'm thinking that we need to hopefully trade Rodgers. Okay. Um, probably to a team that's going to, uh, that's going to need, you know, that's going to be getting a quarterback in the first. So I was thinking, like, who are these teams that would pick a quarterback up that would want to give their quarterback a rescue or something like that to learn the scheme? And there's a glaring team, a glaringly obvious team. That's the Houston Texans. Yeah. And I believe they have two and 12. So I wouldn't be going after the 12th. I I wouldn't be going after the second. I'd be going after the 12th. Okay. And my idea is trade Rodgers for a 12th and like, that's it. Just just trade him for the 12th round pick. Right. Um, to the, to the Texans there. And then if we can make that work, I, I would even give them like a seventh or something like that on top of it. Um, or maybe like the next three years, seven. But my idea is that we take the twelfth pick, and either we get an edge rusher, okay, uh, you know, one of these one of these top tier edge rushers, or maybe probably not, but or maybe through these teams that are not wide receiver needy at the top, maybe we get a guy like Quentin Johnson. Or Johnston, whatever the heck his name is from TCU, who yeah. uh, to me looks like DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and that would be amazing. Could you imagine DeAndre Hopkins like prototype and the the Christian Watson Randy Moss prototype we got going here? Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. And then with the fifteenth pick, I would trade that away, trade back. Like I would even go outside of the first and I'd go to the beginning of the second and try to accumulate uh, another second, another third, a uh, fourth. Uh, maybe a next year's second, something like that. And with that early round pick, I would either go after Darnell Washington yeah. or Dalton Kincaid. Those are the top two tight ends on my board. They're completely different. Uh, Darnell Washington is like Mercedes Lewis 2.0, yes. but he's got wheels. That man, once he gets running and stumbling, man, he is ass. He's mean. He's big, tall, mean mother. I just, I love that about him. And Kincaid, man, he reminds me of Travis Kelsey. So, like, I know they're not really high up on draft boards right now. Uh, they're in the 50s-ish range, like like 48. Oops, did I lose you? Washington is up to uh, 41 right now, so he's kind of climbing. I did, so I've, I've watched Darnell Washington and Michael Mayer, and that's all I've seen so far. Um, and you're right, Darnell Washington is Mercedes Lewis. I really don't think he's going to be a very good receiver. I see him as strictly a Mercedes Lewis replacement, which is to say you'll throw it to him. 
right? But I, I, I think, uh, I think it's mostly a blocking thing. And he, and he's mean, man. He really, really is. And I think he could be a great blocker. Um, so I think that could be a fit. Uh, I will check out Kincaid. I would uh, play your next call, but you didn't call, so I guess we'll leave it at that. Give me, give me a little bit of time here. I'm gonna watch Kincaid and just see what the thoughts are here. So the only all 22 I can find is Dalton Kincaid against San Diego State, and this uh, thing that I use to get the all 22, they have a real serious knack for finding their worst games. I don't know what it is. Every single time I look it up, I go over to PFF and see like, how does this rate? Is this a really underinflated, overinflated? Is it kind of on par with how they play? Um, San Diego State, he had a 54 overall grade. He had about an 80 PFF grade, and, and this is 2021, by the way. But 80, and this is a 54, which was his third worst of the season. He had three receptions for nine yards. So, but I'd rather watch that than the uh, YouTube stuff, just because tight ends, wide receivers, corners, safeties, you can't see anything. They run off the field, and then they catch something. It's like, was that good? Or I, I have no idea. Now, Kincaid is uh, definitely interesting. You almost wonder if he's a borderline Alan Lazard replacement. 6'4", 240. He's definitely a wide receiver tight end hybrid type. He's not really going to be a great blocker, but if you have him out wide and he's blocking corners, he's going to be a great blocker. Again, similar to Alan Lazard. The thing that surprised me, it looks like he has some wheels when I was watching him. However, if you look at the projected 40 times, um, he's at a 4.71, which is pretty slow, especially compared to pretty much everybody else. Uh, they have Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington, uh, pretty much everybody faster than that. Tucker Craft is a little slower, but that's about it. So it's a little surprised to see that. But I guess getting off the line and route running and all that is kind of where he excels. So basically the exact opposite of Darnell Washington. Now, I don't know. This obviously isn't official 40 time. It's projected. I'm just surprised it's so slow, being that he's a smaller guy. Um, I think if his 40 time is 471, I don't think he goes in the second round. I just don't. If you look at the, the really good tight ends, I think a lot of things that they have in common they're all pretty fast. You look at the Kittles and whatnot, they can run for a tight end. If you're a receiving tight end and you're not very big and you're also slow, I don't, I don't know. I don't really see it. But I like them. I like them as a, as a hybrid type, sort of the, um, whereas Darnell Washington obviously would be the Mercedes Lewis, Dalton Kincaid would be the uh, Robert Tunyon, presumably a better Robert Tunyon. Didn't watch very much, but... Um, I was surprised one of the first reps, it looked like he was going to fly right by a corner, which is why I was surprised to see they projected him at 4.71. But I am all on board with, with a, a tight end, man. I, and I know it's, it's a needle in a haystack trying to find one that fits, but you're not going to find one by not, by not swinging, you know? Um, so I would love for us to be able to try to find that. You want to try to create a quarterback-friendly environment, you're not going to find anything more quarterback-friendly than a really good tight end. Um, so yes, I am on that train. Hey, Ryan, it's Craig. Hey. Um, I was just reading an article about uh, 10 of the Packers who may not be back next year. Um, and I don't think there's any surprises on that list, but they had Rodgers and um, Bakhtiari, um, Mason Crosby, um, Aaron Jones, uh, Lazard, Cobb, Lewis, Tunyon, uh, Amos. Um, let's see, who was the other one? Do, 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 do. Um, oh, Yash. Um, yep. was one of those as well. But as I looked at the list, I thought, um, other than Jones and Bakhtiari, and, and when, if those two came back, I think there'd need to be major restructuring because of the cap hit. Um, but 
the rest of them, I, I was fine with all of them going. Um, and then even if uh, Jones and, and uh, Bach left, how different this team would look. I mean, with those 10 guys gone. Um, and actually I got excited about it. Uh, just, uh, I, don't, I don't know if, uh, again, it's a playoff team next year as we, we try yeah. to build up a little bit, but um, I think we got some good core talent with some of these young guys. And um, I think the uh, locker room could probably use a change. We've been talking culture for a long time. Um, I, I think we underestimate the impact that Rogers has on the locker room. Uh, just with, um, I think not only sometimes his comments and lack of leadership, um, but also, uh, as you talked about, how he really controls the team and his coach. And there's got to be a lack of respect for LaFleur when they see him kowtowing to Rogers. Um, and, and also inconsistencies, right? That he'll bench some players for not playing well and yet won't even comment about Rogers not playing great. He always deflects it to it takes all 11 people and both sides of the ball. And um, when he's asked directly about Rogers falling off year over year or something. Uh, so I'm sure the team doesn't, doesn't exactly like hearing those comments and seeing that inconsistency. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see what happens in the off season. I, I hope we, uh, Flush some folks out and, uh, and and start to build off of some of the the talent we have. All right, take care, hang in there, keep up the good work. Bye. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thought too that I wouldn't actually be opposed to, which is a you know a one year hard rebuild. And honestly, I, I agree that most of those guys are not that big of a deal. I, I just think that the focus shouldn't be on. Focus is always on winning from from a coaching and player standpoint, but from a how do we, from a GM standpoint, structure our approach to the future, I think a one-year hard reboot does make sense. Again, we got to wait and see what Rodgers wants to do, but if, if he does leave, um, you're right. Of those 10, the only ones that really impact, I mean, Mercedes is going to be uh, kind of tough and probably pretty hard to, I don't know about hard to replace. I, I think you can find... Um, guys like that. I just don't think they're very utilized very often. Again, I think that those guys show up in the draft. They just kind of don't get drafted a ton. But he, but he is unique, and 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 his uh, knowledge and know-how and all that stuff is is pretty incredible. But um, you look at David Bakhtiari, and yeah, that's a big hit. But how long has he been gone? I feel like he's played. Feels like he's played seven games in the last three years. Like I just, he doesn't play very often, so we've survived. And Aaron Jones is is somewhat likewise. I mean, he is an incredible playmaker, but we say that because of his six elite games a year. You know, it, it's not like he does that every day, every single week. Aaron Jones has, you know, even if you want to say it's eight games a year or something like half half the year, fine. But but you know, we've gotten by with good running back play, um, and as much as that's awesome to have him do what he does a lot of the time, we'll survive it. And again, if you look at that that one-year hard reboot, it's mostly let's invest in the young talent, let's clean up a lot of this cap stuff, because we are going to take some hits, right? The, if, if Aaron Rodgers moves on, there's going to be a hit, and there'll be a hit next year too, probably a, actually a bigger one next year than this year. But you go through and you start to clean some of this stuff up. David Bakhtiari will take a hit this year, and then he's off the books next year. Aaron Jones will take a hit this year, he's off the books next year. 
So a lot of these guys that we've been paying just for the sake of we need to keep pushing in, we need to keep trying to stay in, we're going to clean all that up, and we're going to invest in younger. And and like you said, and I don't want to take it too far. It's just theorizing. I don't know. Maybe Rodgers is a, a net positive for the locker room. Maybe he's a net negative. I don't know. But we can really focus on making the culture of the team what we want it to be. Because regardless, Rodgers does drive the culture, good, bad, or otherwise. And with him gone, we now have complete control of trying to push that in whatever direction we want. And it allows other people to have a louder voice because, you know, you can only have so much of a voice when 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 you have guys like Rodgers in the locker room because he is that top guy. And, and there's other guys. And honestly, it's not just Rodgers. You can say that with a lot of other guys. If you're a guy like... Uh, you know, I don't know, Christian Watson, there's still sort of a pecking order. So you're going into year two, you might be a superstar, but you're still a second-year guy. And you will not speak above Rodgers, Mercedes, et cetera, et cetera. But if a lot of those guys are gone, and again, this isn't to say anything negative about Mercedes, but it just kind of resets that that culture that says the top guys are the ones that have the voice and drive the culture. And and the biggest reason that may be a positive is because a lot of the biggest benefits we're getting are from the young guys. I love our secondary, and it's because guys like Jair reinvigorate that group. It's the young guys who say, we're going to take over. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm not worried about the guys up front. Certainly not worried about this offense or special teams. I'm worried about us. I'm worried about me, and I'm worried about us in the secondary. Nobody throws on us. And he drives that culture. And I think that was a, a big reinvigorating thing. And it was confusing. Like, how is the secondary getting so much better? And yeah, Joe Barry changed up some stuff. But I really think it was a cultural thing driven by the young secondary that we had. Guys like that. And we need that. We need guys like Rashawn to have a voice, to step up and talk about the front. You know, and, and guys like Wyatt or whoever's willing to do it. And then again, this is nothing negative about Kenny necessarily. I just don't think he wants to be that guy. I don't think he's going to be that guy. And whether or not he wants to participate or just kind of go lone wolf and do his own thing, that's up to him. But to have these young, athletic, you know, insanely energetic guys kind of take the reins, plus they tend to buy into that stuff more. You know, young, older guys, I think, get a little bit more jaded. You get this coach in here, you've had so many coaches, so many guys, so many different messages and themes, and you kind of just get jaded by it. Even, even you look at Kenny, how many defensive coordinators has he seen now? Is this his third one? three different messages and three different guys that are telling you all these different things that you get excited for. And after a while, it's like, yeah, I've heard it. I've heard it. But you bring in a fresh voice and, and, and a new message to a younger guy, they'll buy into it. But also, especially if it is driven from within, you can believe that because it's your voice. It's not somebody else's voice promising you something special. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to put you in a spot to succeed. We're going to, yeah, 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 I've heard it. And we're always a trash defense and I'm tired of hearing it. But if it's driven from within... And again, I just I think it's just human nature that it's hard to speak up when you've got all these veterans that are saying, no, 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 this is how it is. This is what we're doing. You'll speak when you're spoken to. Well, I'm sorry, but I want the young guys to have the voice. I want them to drive the culture. And I would love next year if Watson and Dobbs were just like the hype men for the offense and whatever young guys we bring in with them, you know, with, with you know, rallying around, if it is Jordan Love, rallying around Jordan Love and these guys getting hyped up rather than, let's be honest, how easy is it for these guys to get hyped up when you make a mistake and Rodgers is screaming and swearing at you? And every time things go wrong, he's just an absolute tyrant. He's screaming at the coach, which is insane, by the way. We talk about why <laughs> he doesn't have a voice. It's because Rodgers is, is berating the coach on the sideline. Now, the coach needs to man up and, and put him in his place, but he's not doing that. And it just, you know, it creates this whole thing. 
So I don't know, but I absolutely can see a path toward a better culture, not because anyone necessarily is poisoning the culture or bringing about a bad culture, but I think maybe helping to prevent this younger, energetic culture from becoming the full culture of the locker room, because that isn't driving the culture. We need more Jairs and more guys that are going to speak up and be willing to say, I don't really care what everybody else says, whether that be the coaches or the quote-unquote leaders of the team. I'm going to do what I think is right, and we're going to do our thing in the secondary. This is our thing. I want that. I think that's exciting. And again, it may not go well. It probably won't go well. It's Jordan Love's first full year, right? He's got to figure out the thing with the, the, the receivers. And if with Jones gone, we got Dylan and maybe some rookie, and we're trying to make that work. And if Bakhtiari's gone, then it's going to be Zach Tom and maybe a rookie, or who knows who else is going to be playing tackle. I'm not really sure how that's going to work. And likewise with the defense, Amos is gone. We might have a pretty bad, ugly-looking safety group. But let's take that year. And let's really figure out what we got. And let's focus on culture. Let's focus on fine-tuning the roster while we clean up the cap. Let's focus on finding out who's here to stay, who's going to do the things for the right reasons, who deserves the contracts, and who's just taking the money and needs to go. And then 2024, you figure out the court. If Jordan Love's not the guy, guess what? And, and this is true every year, so it's probably not necessarily... It'll, it'll, it'll change, but as I'm looking at it right now, there are five quarterbacks in the 2024 class that are considered first-round prospects. Again, that may change, but it could change upward and downward. And, and I don't even know how accurate this is. I don't know if these guys are even available or not, but for example, Spencer Rattler, Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, who I think is just next level, Drake May out of North Carolina, Shadur Sanders, Colorado. Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami, who I wasn't a big fan of, but he's going back to Miami. We'll see how it goes. I Googled it because I was like, isn't he in this draft class? Apparently he's going back. KJ Jefferson out of Arkansas. Quinn Ewers. I don't know if he's eligible in 2024, but I'm shocked that he's considered an early second round pick because pretty sure he was supposed to be a freak. Very good possibility he ends up being top five, top 10. But if we have a terrible 2024 and you're talking Caleb May, Quinn Ewers, and maybe one, two other guys that are seen as top prospects, hey, Jordan Love isn't the guy. That sucks. Guess what? We get a top 10, top 5 pick, and I, don't, I really don't think it would be that bad. I genuinely don't. But you get the, the ninth pick, the 10th pick, the 11th pick. You're in range. What's up with Rattler anyways? I feel like he's been dodging the draft for like 10 years now. Is he like 74 years old? Every year it's like, oh, Spencer Rattler. And then it's like, oh, Spencer Rattler's trash. It's like, oh, that's crazy. Is he going to be in the draft? No, no, he's going back. Oh, okay. Apparently he's going back again. I don't know. Kai kind of seems like a low life. I know that's a harsh thing to say, but I saw a video of him just treating his teammates like trash, and I don't think that's great. I mean, he's young, immature, whatever, but I just, I really didn't like it. Super arrogant, you know, blaming his teammates, talking about, I'm the man, I'm the one that drives this, you don't do anything around here. The wide receiver's trying to be like, dude, we're a team, we gotta work together, and he's like, whatever, you know, like, we're not a team, I'm the guy, you're nothing. Like, that's kind of BS, I don't care if you're young, That that's the kind of thing that sticks with who you are, and I don't like it. But there's options. So I'm not opposed to that, the the I, I, idea of that. And, and I think that's, too, where I, I differ with a lot of people. When, when people get upset with my thought on how we should move forward, you know, potentially without Rodgers, they see what I'm describing, and they think that's the worst possible thing. I can't imagine, you know, choosing to have a bad year if you don't have to. But for me, I'm all for it. I'm all for it because, you know, potentially 2023 ends up being great anyways. I don't know. But if it isn't, 2024... You know, you've got, if Jordan loves the guy, he gets his contract, he's going into year two, 
We got that guy. We've got the wide receiver group. We've got whatever 2023 draft capital we brought in. But also, we've got a completely refreshed salary cap with plenty of money to spend in other areas that we need help. Because we're not just getting these stupid overinflated contracts because we're being ridiculous because we're trying to push all in right now. So we got our young quarterback, our young wide receivers, our young running backs, young offensive line, young defense, and we're drafting guys and we're bringing them into this fired up, young, energetic culture. I like it. I like that. As a, as a theory and as a process, obviously you don't know how it's going to turn out, but I like that. So I'm all for it. But I enjoy this stuff. I enjoy the, the process of building and, and, and all this. And, and, you know, yes, it gets boring to run the same thing back for 15 years, just over and over and over. Let's do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And I think uniquely as Packer fans, we don't change hardly at all. We've basically had two coaches, two quarterbacks, and that's it. You know, largely the same defensive coordinators and all that. Like, that doesn't change a ton. I guess it's been more than two coaches. But but you've had like two to three main coaches through this process, depending on what you want to call a, a, a main coach. And so when it's run its course, yeah, I think I think we're ready. Let's get some excitement in this in this building a little bit, you know. It's like the Bears. They got a trash quarterback, but they're fired up because it's exciting. Yeah, they suck, but they're having fun. More fun than we're having, aren't they? You better believe they are. They're excited for their future. Look at the young linebacker and the young quarterback and this and all of the draft capital in the space. It's fun. You having fun? I didn't have fun this year, and I don't want to do this again. Just saying. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a great night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.